Harrison Ford became this weird, unlikely Mr. Magoo, which is very charming to me. I enjoy that very much. Yeah. He's just constantly crashing planes into golf courses and shit. (laughs) Which Uh, is, you know, right on. Yeah, good for him. Fuck those golf courses. Yeah. Well, hello there, Mission Recall listeners. I'm your host, Oriana Schwint, here as always with my wonderful co-host, Steve Parkers. And we are back with another 90s action movie to talk about. This episode, we're on the Harrison Ford train. Uh, Plane, really. That's right. We are talking Air Force One. Get off my plane. I'm going to be honest, uh, this didn't really hold up like nearly as well as as the other ones we've done this far. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree. And it's uh, I think worth noting that we actually were going to do Men in Black this episode. But the streaming site that it was on that rhymes with NHD Go (laughs) uh, (laughs) removed it the day before it left the streaming platform the day before we were going to record. So we kind of had to scramble and look for another movie. And we came across what we both thought at the time was going to be a a great romp. Just real fun. Like, ooh, Harrison Ford. You know, my family. Uh, That was not a very good Harrison Ford impression. I apologize to our listener. I'm not leaving without my family. Oh, see, that's that's pretty good. Although a little Batman-y. A little Batman-y. I think maybe that's where Christian Bale got his inspiration. Oh, shit. Ever think of that? I didn't until now, actually. But yeah, there were some choices made. This is kind of a just a real good 90s time capsule, particularly in terms of politics. So I'll get into my experience with this movie when I was a kid, and I think I'd love to hear yours as well, because this movie... held a lot of great memories for me in the sense of it was something I enjoyed as a kid yeah and was really looking forward to watching it again and you know a lot of it does hold up it's not all bad but there's just like you said there's some very 90s shit that happens here (laughs) which we will discuss but before we do that let's do a quick recap of Air Force One so the film starts with U.S. Special Forces abducting and arresting a communist general named Raddick and then we cut to some very half-assed opening credits yeah just blue text on black screen looks like I mean this was before the days of Avid or Premiere but it looks like somebody just put in some placeholder titles and then they were like eh Well, uh, especially when you see, like, we're recording this not too long after having seen the original Total Recall from 1990, and those titles bang. They look so cool. It's a vibe. You're setting a vibe with your opening credits. After the opening credits, we head to Moscow for a speech by President Harrison Ford. That is his name. He, Yeah, I, he has some other name, like Jim or something. We won't be dignifying that. His character is President James Marshall, but for the rest of the podcast, he will be President Harrison Ford. Yeah. Because, come on. I mean... 
He gives a speech where he goes off script and says that the U.S. will no longer negotiate with terrorists and they will no longer stand idly by while genocides happen. They will be interventionist from here on out, which I don't know what U.S. exists in this universe, (laughs) but like, anyway. So uh, his advisors are very concerned and and kind of upset, but he's like, well, I have to stand up for my principles. And they get on to Air Force One to fly back to the United States. Joining them is a Russian television news news crew who are interviewing the president and they are led by Gary Oldman who also has another name but it's Gary it does, Oldman it does not matter <laughs> who actually has a pretty good russian accent it's not it's i've heard some pretty bad russian accents some of them in this very film sure. and his he It's really not too bad. Solid. Pretty quickly, uh, we kick off. The Russian news crew turns out to be a a terrorist kind of splinter cell with the Kazakh general who was arrested at the beginning of the film. And they hijack Air Force One and they shoot a bunch of people. Oh my God, the body count is quite high Pretty impressive. Uh, That's been a surprise with these 90s movies. They weren't fucking around with just mowing people down. (laughs) So they kill a bunch of people. They take over the plane. They kill the pilots and take over the plane. It looks like President Harrison Ford has escaped. He gets to the escape capsule that kind of looks like Apollo 13. Yeah. And oh no, he gets away. But they still have the first lady and the first daughter and all of the... Just a bunch of staff. Yeah, too. the cabinet members. So they start issuing demands to Vice President Glenn Close. <laughs> Once uh, again. We're just doing Glenn like, Close. Who are we kidding here? But then, dun-dun-dun, it turns out that he did not actually escape in the capsule. He somehow got out of the capsule and was hiding sort of in the fuselage. Yeah. But he starts taking people out. He starts die-harding through the plane. This movie is die-hard on a plane, basically. And- with the president. And that's kind of the gist of the movie. It goes along for a while as he gradually takes out one terrorist after another. Meanwhile, they're taking out hostages. They're killing... All like, sorts of people. The national security advisor, the press secretary. Uh, just, yeah, really yeah. just ruthless. It's pretty ruthless. Eventually, President Harrison Ford gets into the room where all the hostages are being kept and escorts them down into the fuselage There's like area. a parachute ramp of Air Air Force One, and so they get down there. Unbeknownst to the terrorists, uh, most of the hostages get out. There's only a few people left behind, including a Secret Service agent who is up to no good. He kicks the whole hijacking off, played by Xander Berkeley of Lake 24 fame, and lots of other fame too, but that's my point of reference. But he kicks the whole thing off about 20 minutes into the movie by killing some other Secret Service agents and, and allowing Gary Oldman to take their weapons. He's sort of a sleeper... Sleeper agent. Yeah. 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 His motives are never made clear. Absolutely no explanation whatsoever. Which, I guess, fine, you don't really need it, but it I, is... I do need it, though. So, President Harrison Ford is still on board because his family hasn't escaped. They're still being held hostage by Gary Oldman, and he has to rescue them, which he does a climactic battle takes place and finally Harrison Ford kills Gary Oldman but then uh uh-oh they're running out of fuel their engines are failing because they're attacked by MiGs yeah that's just uh, it's just a type of 
spider thing. Oh, no, I mean, I know oh, what a man oh, is. Oh, oh, oh. For yeah. anyone who is listening and is like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the guy from Silence of the Lambs, right? <laughs> Jesus. MiGs are the Russian equivalent of American fighter jets, but Russian. So somehow this Kazakh general has a military that is still very loyal to him. They haven't all been arrested or whatever. And they try to shoot down Air Force One, and there's a big air battle that kind of jumps in between looking pretty good and pretty janky. Yeah, some uh, real 1997 CGI happening in this in this a lot sequence. Of so the plane is damaged pretty badly and can't land, which was their original plan. So they have to do a daring escape by tying zip a... Zip line? Basically <laughs> zip line. Tying a zip line from Air Force One to the military rescue plane. plane, which they do. And everyone gets off. The last guy left is President Harrison Ford and Xander from 24. <laughs> and he try, Xander tries to take the last slot which yeah. i feel like he'd have some questions right to, he to I, I know that like it, it isn't unrealistic for him to not have thought it through but like the president is going down with the plane and you're a secret service agent i feel like things are not gonna go well for you seems like it caused some problems but he didn't want to die so sure anyway they fight Harrison Ford wins. He gets on the zip line at the last minute and and zips off into the air. And Air Force One crashes into the ocean very realistically. <laughs> and uh, that's oh, and and I guess before all that, he does make the call to get General Raddick killed because General Raddick was being held in a Russian prison, and Gary Oldman's demands were that he be released. And he is. He's almost released. He's walking out of the prison yard as a helicopter. From somewhere from lands, Kazakhstan? I guess, lands and is going to take him away. But then Harrison Ford makes the call at the last second and they just shoot him. Yeah, there's no, they just fucking shoot him even though as though he were escaping. Right. And it's weird because like, why didn't you just do that to start? It's, it's that would have solved a lot of problems. Very, very weird. I guess we should probably talk about what we like about this movie before kind of delving into what is maybe a little questionable. Uh, so yeah, what, what did we like? What did you like? <laughs> well, it's certainly a very competent movie. It's very well made. The action sequences are all very good. There is this, you know, sort of sense of claustrophobia that, that you get that is intentional and, and comes across very well. Harrison Ford is, up to, he's good in everything. He can make anything work, even being kind of a weird combination of Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan as president. It's its quite odd. We'll get to that. He's great. Uh, the, ca- the cast in general is good. Gary Oldman is not quite Alan Rickman level in this, if we're going to go with a diehard comparison. Mm. But he's pretty, he's, he's solid. solid. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that very much. And... Um... <laughs> There's a really good cast like you said Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman are good going off against each other you also have Glenn Close Paul Guilfoyle William H Macy who gets a pretty thankless role as just a very loyal military military guy. navy slash air force I'm unsure he's a major major Caldwell yeah I don't know exactly Another thing I do appreciate about this movie is that while Gary Oldman clearly does not speak Russian natively they did get a bunch of native Russian speakers. And it does show, I do appreciate that, even if they are playing terrorists. So shout out to these guys for actually paying people who speak Russian already. And you know, I wasn't bored. It's a 
about a two-hour movie, a little under, and I was entertained the whole time. I wasn't exactly, like, enthralled. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's not a boring movie. It, it moves, moves right yeah. along. It's got a good, solid pace. Even though Harrison Ford spends most of the movie down in the basement, yeah. basically. Down in the luggage compartment. The cargo bay. Yeah. yeah. It's still, like, pretty propulsive. Moves right along. The, the stakes keep rising. Mm-hmm. Things keep getting worse and worse. They run out of fuel. The yeah. tanker comes to refill them. It blows up. The engines start failing. Like, people are getting shot. There's a real sense of stakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you never doubt that Harrison Ford is going to win and save no. his family, but it, at the very least, or, how is he going to get out how? of this? Yeah. yeah, how is he going to get out of the sticky situation? Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford does a great job of playing a guy who's a little out of his depth. He gets this look on his face of like, oh, fuck, shit. now what? <laughs> shit, shit, shit. And that's nice. That's something you don't see that much of these days. And I appreciate that there's that look of just like, I am outmatched and I'm gonna gonna do my best I'm gonna scrap and I'm gonna figure it out and he does and that's that's a fun dynamic for an action star I think that's what made him such a huge Mm -hmm. star in the 80s and 90s I know we're talking about things we liked but like the dialogue in this movie is pretty bad overall yeah it's It's clunky yeah it doesn't necessarily sparkle but Harrison Ford can sell any dialogue I mean his whole career is kind of based on selling dialogue that isn't very good I mean (laughs) There's a reason everybody loves Han Solo and didn't really care about Luke right. that much. He had just as shitty a dialogue as, as Luke did, yeah. but he could sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was fun to watch him. You just wanted to see what this guy was up to. Mm-hmm. And that's true here as well. For being a weird president with bad politics, I'd consider voting for him. Yeah, well, you you want to have a beer with him. You mm-hmm. want to... This is Harrison Ford transitioning into his grumpy phase. There are grump moments that come through. <laughs> and yeah, so you can tell. And yet it's that it's that grumpy but lovable phase that that he has been in for quite a while at this point because the fugitive is not grumpy harrison ford it's Mm. still like mostly cool yeah between 91 and 97 he had started to really get into that grumpy phase yeah i feel like this was the turning point movie where he just went full grump full grump And never looked back. And and I kind of love him for that. He's just a yeah. big fucking weirdo. Oh, yeah. And there's also, I will say, the questions raised by this movie in terms of like constitutionality and is the presidency larger than the man, that is interesting, particularly for that time. We now know that the presidency is kind of a farce and literally anyone <laughs> except for a woman, can can be president. And actually, I'm going to eat those words when Marjorie Taylor Greene ends up being... Oh, no. No, you said I'm it into sorry. being. You made it real. I'm sorry. But in 1997, too, there was this reverence for the, for the presidency. And there were, there were all these movies that were all about the office of the president and its importance. And it is interesting to think like, oh, my God, what if the president were kidnapped, hijacked? What would happen to our government? Back in the day, we had a robust enough government that that could happen although i would say like nowadays like oh it'd be fine (laughs) that's true (laughs) it's not a big deal it might even be an improvement honestly there's not a ton to say about this movie itself i think it's much more interesting to talk about the world that we lived in in 1997 yeah but 
prefacing that, my own personal experience, as I mentioned at the beginning, is when we were kids, myself and my two older sisters, we would each get a VHS tape every Easter. Our parents, Aww. that was our one, our gift for Easter was some candy, oh, dude. some candy and a VHS That's actually tape. pretty good. Yeah, no, it was solid. It was, it was fun. And I believe my sister got Air Force One tape because she was a tween and just into Harrison Ford because who wasn't? Yeah. But I loved it. I watched it a bunch with her usually just had good memories of it. So it's, it's interesting to go back now and watch it with a better understanding of U.S. and world politics Mm -hmm. and what they are now and also what they were then and to see where things were going Mm -hmm. and how movies like this were able to exist. You couldn't have this iteration of Air Force One now. No. It's too... It doesn't work on any level. Like, first of all, no one is getting onto Air Force One. It's just not happening. It's simply too implausible in a post 9-11 world. But also, no one cares that much about, like, the office of the presidency is not revered in any way. It's barely even respected or tolerated right now. It just would not happen. It's also interesting that it was Russian radicals. It was not yet vaguely Arab or or Muslim. Islamist. Yeah, not the Taliban or anything. And that's not to say those movies didn't exist back then. I feel like I bring this movie up in every episode, but in True Lies, those are kind of vaguely al-Qaeda-ish terrorists. Mm -hmm. So it did exist, but it felt like this movie didn't really know what to do. It needed terrorists. And so what they came up with was... The poor people of Kazakhstan. (laughs) Yeah. Gary Oldman in particular just seems to want the Soviet Union back. Yeah. He wants to accomplish this goal by freeing this General Radic, who is the dictator of Kazakhstan, I guess. But it's unclear why Radek, who is supposedly the guy who has genocided uh, some 200,000 pe- 200, people. Were they Kazakh? Were they some Chinese neighbors? It's all so weird to me because the people of Kazakhstan... Like, a lot of them speak Kazakh and not Russian, and Gary Oldman is clearly very Russian, and it doesn't mean that you don't have Russian people in these former Soviet republics. It is just kind of odd that that is totally unexplained, unexplored. We just don't really get good motivation. But I think that's kind of part of the politics of the time, which was they just needed an excuse for the movie to happen. And so they went with this, I don't know, they're former Soviet soldiers who want it back. That's enough. Yeah. We don't need to explain any further. Our viewers aren't going to care. And I think they were... Actually, I think they're right. They're right I know. It's just my own little bugbear. Sure. And yeah, I mean, even back then, I'm sure there were plenty of people who watched who were like, hey, what the fuck? But the vast majority of people don't care, really. They just want to see Harrison Ford punch some guys. Yeah. As far as like the reverence and respect for the office is interesting. And this movie is certainly not alone in that. No. the movie, The American President, which my sister also had on VHS, <laughs> I, did not, I did not watch that one as much. Very similar character, very similar mm-hmm. politics. Michael Douglas is the American president. Annette Benning is his girlfriend. Right, right. Written by our good friend Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> um, it was sort of a test run for The West Wing, mm. which would start a few years later. Yeah. 
So that was not uncommon to have the presidency as a sort of mythical figure. Mm -hmm. Larger than life. Yeah, very like utterly morally infallible, etc. And it is odd to me because it's not as though people were unaware that Ronald Reagan in particular was a huge piece of shit (laughs) whose brain was like Swiss cheese most of the time that he was in office. These days, it's pretty common to say like, oh, everyone's gone so hard right or hard left, like there's no more middle. But I do feel like there was more of a center in the sense of like people who liked Reagan could also potentially like Clinton. Mm -hmm. Like their policies weren't quite different enough for it to actually matter that much. Clinton wanted maybe slightly higher taxes in some regards. And they were both kind of shitheads like Mm -hmm. they were both pretty bad people but they were revered and still are in a lot of pockets of of the country reagan is still considered just like this he is a god almost and clinton as well even even now even even in the post epstein era very odd there is this instinct that even people on the left have to mythologize and form these these parasocial relationships with these politicians and put them on these pedestals and think of them as they do, you know, Harrison Ford in fucking Air Force One. I wonder if characters like President James Marshall, as played by Harrison Ford, kind of helped bring that to be. I wonder. And obviously, no one movie is going to do that. No. Air Force One is not responsible for modern politics. No. But that combined with the American president and the West Wing and kind of that era of especially post 9-11 with the pro-military support Mm -hmm. our troops America first kind of idea Mm. this fits nicely into that this is absolutely a a harbinger of things to come particularly with 9-11 and Bush response to it. Harrison Ford makes this speech at the beginning of the movie that is off script and it's about basically becoming very interventionist. In cases of genocide, ostensibly, he feels really awful that hundreds of thousands of people died and the US didn't take action beforehand. And okay, that's a way to think about the world, sure, but it rings very hollow and does not feel like any actual change of course if you know literally anything at all about American history and military interventions. And looking at the 9-11 response and George W. Bush in particular, it's like he watched this movie. Right? His response to 9-11 was obviously insane intervention in places that had nothing to do with it, Mm -hmm. uh, literally nowhere that had anything to do with it. But you also saw what happens like, all right, yeah, Saddam Hussein isn't a good guy, but what has been the result of our intervention. So can you blame a movie for kind of having bad politics retroactively? But sure. it's also not like Iraq and Afghanistan were the first thing to ever no. happen that the that America fucked Harrison, up. Harrison Ford's character was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. They frame it as like he was a rescue pilot. He flew rescue missions. But that is also kind of underplayed, I guess. And it makes sense. This is a movie that has a very specific goal, which is just Harrison Ford kicked terrorist off plane, quite literally. 
really. We don't really hear much about Harrison Ford and his Vietnam service and how that affects his policy decisions and, and whatnot. There isn't really time for that, and it is kind of unfair to have that thought, but I have it anyway. Sorry. George W. Bush is the obvious one to do the comparison to, but I would say, really, Harrison Ford in this is John McCain. Oh, for sure. If yeah, John McCain, yeah. if John McCain had become president, I feel like his policies would have been almost exactly like. Oh my God, you're right. What Harrison Ford was. So yeah, it it had its finger on the pulse of of American politics, maybe a little unintentionally. Yeah. But a a real snapshot of just what the world was like in the nineties. Yeah. And I mean, I was a kid, so I wasn't really thinking anything about it. But interesting that that was just taken as. Red. Like, that's just how it is. And speaking of that, we mentioned in our Total Recall episode about how nice it was to have a villain who was just unambiguously evil. Mm-hmm. Air Force One, the villains are killing innocent people. They're clearly very bad guys, mm-hmm. but they bring up some good points. One line in particular that Gary Oldman says to Harrison Ford's daughter about how, oh, it's okay for your dad to do it because when he does it, he's in a tux and thousands of miles away. It's like, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, shit. Point for Gary Oldman on that one he is absolutely right it feels like the beginning of a trend Mm -hmm. it does it feels oh it feels just so almost insultingly simplistic like those filthy weird Soviet diehards like Gary Oldman literally rants about capitalism at one point and it's like I mean look we've all ranted about capitalism (laughs) but usually not after hijacking a plane that contains the president of the United States it just feels a bit tired. <laughs> but it was such shorthand, sort of like how yeah. vaguely Arab mm-hmm. people became shorthand in the 2000s for every villain. Yeah. Uh, this was the hangover, the, last the, hangover yeah. of the Cold War. And it was just like, oh, these sort of desperate radicals who still want this thing to exist. And it's just like, I don't think that they're really organized enough no. to hijack Air Force One. Yeah. Uh, even in the 90s, like it was still pretty hard to get on to Air Force One. Right. There is a thing that's never like fully explained. And again, they don't have to. It's just something that kind of you think about it, where in the beginning of the movie, Gary Oldman and his quote unquote news crew are about to board Air Force One and the Secret Service has them do their fingerprints. You put it up on a on a laptop, on a laptop screen. screen, you touch it with your thumb and it comes up and it's Gary Oldman is like a news guy. And it's like, how? It's never actually explained. And again, they don't actually need to. But it is something that I was like, what? Well, I think the implication is that the Secret Service agent somehow oh, made that happen. okay. Because they do say, like, they must add someone on the inside. And he's clearly the guy on the inside. Yeah. You don't want to do a cinema sense thing no, and, and no, ask no, for no. every single plot point to be explained. But I am curious, like, why did he turn? Why That's, was he? Why a, is Xander Berkeley, who does not at any point speak Russian or do or Kazakh or any anything? Why? Why would he do this? Yeah, he doesn't say anything about how capitalism is bad or America is bad or like I don't know. His brother got killed in some sort of interventionist action, maybe. So it makes me think of Ed Harris in The Rock, another bad guy with some good points. <laughs> But he has a very, he's an ex-military who has a lot of grievances with the U.S. government and he's basically holding San Francisco hostage in order to get money because like all his friends who were, I think, 
Vietnam vets, I want to mm. say, were left out to dry and, and not compensated. And it's a very compelling story. Like, yeah. He's he's a very conflicted bad guy. And you don't have to go that in-depth with Xander, right. but something I'd about, I need a like, something to hold on to. Why is this guy who says at the end, like, when Harrison Ford is like, you're supposed to protect me, and he's like, oh, and no, I'll protect the next president. Yeah. It's like, so... You were going to st- you were going to stay in this job? Why? Right? Was it money? Were you in debt? Right? Did like, you have a per- like I feel like debt is not enough to explain why you would literally murder yeah. the fucking president of the United States. It's a big one. Like we all have our uh, midlife crises, but <laughs> you know, buy a sports car, yeah. you know, the fuck your secretary. <laughs> But uh, maybe don't don't take down the government. Yeah, or at least have a reason to. Yeah. I understand the goons better than I understand this Judas figure. Yeah, like Gary Oldman's motivations are, are very simplistic, but very straightforward. Yeah. But I'm much more curious about the Secret Service agent who has turned on his country. That seems like a compelling storyline that I'd like to know something about. So you spend most of the movie, and this is great, actually, you spend most of the movie wondering like, oh, when is he going to reveal that he helped make this happen? It's very suspenseful and very tense. And every time he's in a scene, you're like, oh, God, is this it? Is this it? Is the bomb going to go off? Basically, like that Hitchcock thing of you can surprise someone for a couple seconds by just having a bomb blow up. Or but if you, you keep showing the bomb... Then, so Xander Berkeley is the bomb, but we never understand who put the bomb there or why. At one point, William H. Macy hands him a gun and you're like, oh shit. Is this it? And it isn't. And it isn't. And that's, it's Which great. is cool. Like, yeah. that's totally like, yes, ratchet that tension up. And then it's just kind of lands with a wet fart almost. <laughs> well, because it just happens at the end where he's just like, I want to get off the plane. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, like, no, I want to get off the plane. It's like, huh. No, and at least like reveal something i don't know maybe harrison ford like snubbed him or something like yeah for a promotion or something something really petty maybe he talked shit and xander berkeley heard it's like i can't believe the president is talking shit about me i'm gonna rat him out to these random these random kazakh, kazakh terrorists yeah. who are white and speak russian again yeah. not totally implausible but mm, Sure. Yeah, that's sort of the the Team America version of, (laughs) in terms of like how much they think Americans care about uh, international politics, and they're not wrong. So yeah, kind of a a weird one, just a a big surprise. It's very competently made, minus the CG. The CGI plane is bad when it's going down into a Caspian Sea or something or the Black Sea it's extraordinarily bad well what's unfortunate is so the plane is crashing and it hits the water and there's actually that first shot looks okay yeah the water's a little janky but like you see the wings flexing and it it actually looks like a real plane hitting Mm -hmm. the water and then they Cut to the second shot of it kind of flipping around. Just tumbling ass Somersaulting. Over. Maybe that's the problem. I bet that was like a very late addition. Yeah. Where they were like, we got, this needs to be bigger. And the poor computer graphics 
artists were like uh, um i need like six months and they were like you have two weeks yeah we premiere tomorrow very cats and what's unfortunate is this feels like it wouldn't have been that hard to have done miniatures for at least yeah, for that scene and they clearly use some miniatures there are some miniatures there's some real footage of, of fighter <laughs> jets sprinkled in with cgi footage which yeah. is interesting because a couple shots you'll see that look really good and because they're real and then a random cgi shot and it's like oh and obviously you can't have a real shot of air force one crashing into the ocean but a miniature kind of doing the dante's peak thing of speeding up you can do a lot like speed up the film yeah so it's all in slow motion it hits the water and and just crashes i think they probably could have pulled that off yeah the effects budget was either too low or they hadn't really figured out water at that point Mm -hmm. the bad water effect mixed with the just a little wrong physics of it somersaulting (laughs) just adds up to like a pretty pretty bad shot Uh, and there's a few other shots in there of planes flying around that just look a little off yeah fortunately most of the movie does take place inside air force one pretty easy set to build yeah I don't know what their budget was, but they clearly blew most of it on actually shooting in Moscow. Yeah. There's some shots in the beginning of the movie of the caravan Mm -hmm. leaving, Mm -hmm. and they're actually in Moscow. Yeah, the Kremlin is definitely there. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Like, fun. And I'm sure the fax machine budget was also huge. So this this movie was funded by Big Facts. We're 100% sure of this. There is a scene, I did not cover it in my plot recap, a woman, the only woman of color, I think, in the yeah. entire movie. But luckily she gets she gets a moment to shine. She gets a moment to shine. She also escapes. She's one of the hostages who gets away, so that's great. The actress's name is Masiri Freeman. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And she gets a great moment. They think that the phones have been compromised. Mm-hmm. But she says like, oh, they probably overlooked the fax machine. We'll send a fax to the White House. And they do. They sneak out. They send the fax. Uh, it kind of saves the day. It allow ends up allowing the hostages to escape because the fax tells them to go down to like 15,000 feet? 15,000, 15,000 yeah. feels right. So they go down to 15,000 feet and they're able to escape and it's all her doing. Which is nice. Good. I is love nice. that for her. And Harrison Ford promises to make her the postmaster general, which is kind of a weird... Has she expressed a desire to be maybe maybe that's her fondest dream and i hope i love that for her i bet she'll be a great postmaster general yeah yeah just kind of a funny little another time capsule moment yeah try the fax machine oh the fax machine Ooh, it's also kind of funny because the fax is ignored for like 15 minutes yeah it just gets printed out in the white house situation room and nobody Nobody notices just like actual faxes yeah the first and last time a fax machine has played a pivotal role in a movie's narrative actually i don't i haven't seen every movie with a fax machine in it so um let me know if i'm wrong i guess i'm yeah i'm i'm racking my brain to think of pivotal fax moments <laughs> and coming up coming up blank uh, I'm, but sure I'm sure i'm sure there's others there somewhere that i just haven't seen but yeah very rare for a, a fax machine to have a, a big moment in, <laughs> in your summer action blockbuster so that's fun that's something different just a, a fun little 90s moment to really date this fucking yeah. movie <laughs> No comparison corner for this one because it didn't spawn any like sequels or or spinoffs. And like we said before, you can't really do this movie now. It just feels uh, there are a number of reasons why this just doesn't work. I guess there was Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down in like the early 2010s. 
tens, yeah. I want to say. I would say that maybe in some respects... Those are kind of the spiritual successors. Those would be the spiritual successors. I know at least, I'll be honest, I never saw Olympus Has Fallen. No, me neither. White House Down, I actually enjoyed. I thought it was pretty fun. It's... Roland Emmerich, who kind of gets a bad rap. He he's, he's right about everything. I'd kind of like to see it again. It might hold up. It's got Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. I mean, it's... Why did I think that was the one with Aaron Eckhart and Gerard Butler? That's Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, whoopsie. Yeah. Came out around the same time, kind of a double feature, <laughs> like Volcano and Dante's Peak. I think, like, Obama being elected at least in the beginning, kind of gave us that mini resurgence of like, ooh, the presidency ooh, the president. Is, we like the president. We now. like the president. It's a very noble role. It's a it's an important role. Mm-hmm. It's just him sandwiched between Bush <laughs> and Trump. And on either side of that, it's like, no, clowns. 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 <laughs> and just a car full. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, again, we don't have time to get into Obama's whole record because there's plenty to critique there. Yeah. He didn't come across as like a clown. Though. No, All that was, of, yeah, you could actually like respect him in, until you found out about the drone program. But but he played the part in a way that was similar to Clinton and Reagan in that he seemed on the surface like a fairly likable, respectable yeah. guy. And I think that kind of led to that little mini moment of, oh, the president's okay. Hey, oh, we actually care if he gets kidnapped. Right. And- I'd be fascinated to see an Air Force One remake now. Mm -hmm. It is also like with the Olympus Has Fallen slash White House Down. Now that that's actually kind of happened Mm. with the Capitol riots, I wonder if that put the kibosh on, on that kind of thing. I mean, you know there's going to be some sort of movie version of it at some oh, point no. in the future. Oh, no. Maybe a, a Mark Wahlberg kind of oh, uh, kind of movie. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, my God. With fucking Wahlberg as one of the capital cops. Yes, 100%. Oh, my God. That will 100% happen. But it's not going to be very good. But the, can they? Can they do that, though? Because there is such division about the riots themselves, I wonder, actually, if they could do that because they don't want to alienate all the people who think that it was fine and that it was just a protest. And I think what they're going to end up doing is having sort of their version of a complicated villain or even somebody who just is going because they genuinely believe that the, yeah, the election has been up. stolen. They might even try to save try people, to help the cops. try to help the cops. It's going to be very pro-cop, but it's, it's also going to be a guy who is kind of a Trump guy. Yeah. But he's going to be pro cop. He's going to be pro country. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a he's, just he's a, a real patriot. He's just asking questions and then it got out of hand. I would bet in the next 5 years we're going to see that movie. Well, maybe society will collapse before then. We're on our way. <laughs> uh, it's it's a real race against time. Hopefully society falls before <laughs> we get the Mark Wahlberg 1/6. Oh no. I hate it. Coming to Peacock. (laughs) And then Mark Wahlberg sues NBC Universal because they stiffed him on the back end. Okay, I do kind of want that to happen. You have to support the actors who sue the streamers. Yeah, that's sorry. How it goes. That's just solidarity. I don't particularly like Scarlett Johansson either. Or Mark Wahlberg. Or Mark Wahlberg. He can like eat my entire ass. I mean, Scarlett Johansson can eat my entire ass. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. <laughs> cutting that part out <laughs> if you must decide between mark Wahlberg and comcast you gotta I go guess, with mark Wahlberg. i guess did comcast blind a vietnamese man probably actually yeah they probably contributed to some to some horrible poisoning or blinding or just <laughs> let them fight yeah yeah so anyway that's a chilling vision of things to come Fuck. Much like Air Force One was a chilling vision of the world we would be getting very soon. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny that Air Force One sort of posits this as the worst possible thing that could happen. And we were just a few years away from everything just going tits up and just the worst possible things happening on multiple fronts. And that never really stopped. You know, it would be a huge event if Air Force One got hijacked. Oh, my God. But it would sort of be par for the course these days. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, well, that's in line with all the other insane things that have been occurring across the entire world. So, you know, you would just kind of take it in stride, I feel like. There's this whole candlelit vigil outside the White House and all these mostly white very white (laughs) people are very you know distraught over the president being a hostage or whatever which i guess you would get people like that today there's plenty of weirdos on twitter who are pro-biden you know who that to me is as weird as that is weird yeah it's not about the politics it's just it's that parasocial thing of like this is the guy this like i know you know i don't want to blame the onion slash mike shore because I like both of those things slash people. Generally, Mike Schur's shows are good and I like them. The Onion is very good. But the fashioning of this particular image of Biden as Uncle Joe or whatever. I wonder if they just genuinely never thought he would run for president. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because how could you? Of course he wasn't going to be running for president. That wouldn't make any sense. It's it's funny to think back about how unlikely it was that he was going to be the nominee right up until suddenly he was the nominee. Yeah. Up until a couple of days before super tuesday no one thought joe Joe biden Biden. was gonna be the guy they all thought he was gonna drop out early like he had in every other primary since 1980 fucking eight so you know yeah it sucks that they kind of did basically free PR for him, but it feels a little like, what are you going to do? Like, but it does, that image does persist even to this so. day. Yeah. And it's it's weird to me. Yeah. Like, he's no Harrison Ford. No, like if Harrison Ford, even now, were to run for president, I'd probably vote for him. Why not? Fuck it. That'd be fun. He actually would try to fly Air Force One and it would crash. <laughs> That's actually like... You know, ragging on The Onion for the Uncle Joe stuff. The Onion also has this long-running Harrison Ford (laughs) bit about him crashing and and getting injured and nearly dying. And that, to me, is funnier than the Uncle Joe stuff. Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford became this weird, unlikely Mr. Magoo, which is very charming to me. I enjoy that very much. Yeah. He's just constantly crashing planes into golf courses and shit. (laughs) Which Uh, is, you know, right on. Yeah, good for him. Fuck those golf courses. Yeah. I don't know, man. Air Force One is... It's certainly a movie. Air Force One is currently on Netflix. God only knows. As as of of early August. 2021, Men in Black is not on anything. Which it was. It it fucking was. But you know what it did do? The Men in Black disappearing. It got me to buy some physical media again, which is something I've been wanting to do. I used to have a pretty solid DVD collection. Sold it when I was broke at like age 24 Mm. for like $35 for I don't know 50 DVDs I still have maybe 20 but I want to build that up again because shit like this happens Mm -hmm. where Men in Black will be available for 
six months and then disappear. As soon as you actually want to watch it. As soon as you actually want to watch it. It it knows. The Mm -hmm. algorithm can tell. This Mm -hmm. is my new conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. It's like how Instagram will show you ads for things you've talked Mm -hmm. about. HBO Max knows that you want to watch. No, fuck you. uh, Men in Black. My big takeaway from watching Air Force One is... Buy Men in Black. Buy Men in Black. Um, on Blu-ray or DVD or your uh, platform. Microfiche. <laughs> uh, mini disc. <laughs> so yeah, Harrison Ford is great. I'm looking forward to when we cover The Fugitive. Well, that's, that's the thing. And I think like so much of my memory of this movie was wrapped up in the fact that Harrison Ford himself was just the biggest star in the world. His career was actually kind of up and down in the 90s, looking looking back at his IMDb page. But he's just so good that you just want to watch him. He could kind of do no wrong in the 90s. Yeah, even playing a weird neocon, carry a big stick... Carry a big stick and hit people with it. Yeah, that just was fuck them up. Pretty fucked politics in this weird. movie. Yeah. Just kind of weird, just off-putting. So this is going to be a, a bit shorter one, but that's okay because we've had a couple of longer ones talking about Volcano, Dante's Peak, and also Total Recall. Those those ran long. So a shorter episode is yeah. a treat. It's a short king. We stand a short podcast episode. <laughs> so yeah, tune in next time when hopefully we maybe talk about Men in Black. Yeah, uh, if the Blu-ray get gets into the time. Jones Zone. Yeah, we wanted to get into the Jones Zone, the Tommy Lee Jones Hour. So instead, we had a Ford Fiesta. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like I can't top that, so we should just end it there. See you next time. Bye.